going to be a great episode today. Looking forward to uh, getting back into the swing of things here. Uh, my name is Eric, as always, and with me, as always, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good, Michael? You, how, you yeah. feeling like you're ready to talk about some video games? I am, especially uh, this one. Okay, that's good, because that's the plan. Oh, okay. Because if not, you're here to talk about another video game, we all, we're all screwed. Um, Nick, I, just to make sure, are you here to talk about Control? I am. Okay, then we are on the same page. We are moving in the right direction. Oz Control? Oh, man. Ah, oh, shit. I played Adventures of Cookies and Cream. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. We could pivot no. into that. <laughs> if, I feel like if we were to successfully pivot into an entire hour and a half to two hour show on Cookies and Cream, I deserve Podcasting Host of the Year. <laughs> um, no, it's going to be a great episode today. We are playing the rest of Control Starting off with what is Mission 6, Our Brother's Keeple, completing to the end of the base game. We are not going to be talking about any of the DLC today. No DLC, will, Eric. N- yeah. <laughs> some some of us might have got confused. Yeah, uh, very confusing playing the mission called The Dark Place. <laughs> Listen, and it maybe does start off with like straight. Maybe I got excited and I just kind of <laughs> said, fuck y'all's rules. I'm a grown man. I can play what part I want to play. No, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but no, we will be doing a third added on episode of Control talking about the two big DLC packages that came with Control. Um... But before we do that, before we talk about the game that brought us all here together, let's talk about other video games as per the normal state of the save procedural. Michael. Yes. As per the normal state of the save procedural, what video games you been playing? I have finished Guardians of the Galaxy. Just I, doing cleanup on games that have been it, working my way through. Here's a question. I am on chapter nine. Yes. How close am I to the end? Because at first I thought I was plugging right along. I was, I was almost done. And then the story took a weird turn. And I was like, oh man, maybe I'm only at the beginning. Uh, you're just over halfway. Okay. Okay. I can. The chapters are very short. Some are short. Some are a bit longer. But yeah, you're with chapter 9, you're... Over the halfway point. Okay, I feel like that's a that's about well. Maybe approaching two thirds, depending. Okay. Yeah. So it's a longer game than I thought it was going to be. It, I think it uh, averages if you do some of the like the more side stuff and like explore open areas, it can take you probably around 18, 19 hours. So I think what draws it off a little bit, and this is not a complaint, is that the dialogue and the conversations are so good you're more likely to stand there and make sure you hear yes. the entire conversation and make sure you talk to everybody. I'm getting worried I'm missing dialogue options. I'll yes. just stay in a spot. And then you're like, okay, that has to be all the dialogue. And then all of a sudden, Drax will start saying something after you hit uh, triangle. And you're like, no, go back. Yeah, <laughs> then it cuts it off and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I missed something. I missed like probably the best banter in the entire game. Um, when I am done with that, I would love to talk to you about that game. I would like to know how much of that game branches off or how much of it is just really good at making me feel like I'm making very critical decisions. That seems like a topic for a potential bonus show where we can yes. discuss all that. A file corrupted that has not popped up on this season because we've all been very busy. Um, no, but I think it would be a really good point. It's a damn good video game. 
Nick, absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna somehow con you into playing this game so you can talk about it. I'll get around to it. I actually have an extra copy sitting at my house. I might just give you. Okay. <laughs> it's just like here, play this damn video game. <laughs> um, but uh, no, what other games have you been playing, Michael? Uh, I've played a bit more of the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. That continues to be a really good game. I don't want to delve too much into it because it's all story focused, and since I'm past like the initial chapters and diving really into it, I don't want to get too far into it. But still, a really good game. Like I'm very much engaged with the story of that. And this is your first Phoenix Wright game. Yes. And you talked about it a little bit last episode how excited you were to get into it. Um, feel like it's holding up your expectations. Feels I'm, like you. Yeah. What you wanted from this experience is what you're getting? Yeah. Okay. Very much so. It's... <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, unexpected. It's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, really interesting, like, how deep it dives into... Now that I'm at the part of the game where I am uh, in... You're basically a stranger in a strange land. You, are, you play as a Japanese l- law student. Uh, who ends up in England? Who uh, and all of a sudden you have to you're a Japanese person new to law, learning about British law, and because of that, it leads to a lot of a lot of characters are straight up racist towards you. Oh wow! In a way that could be that could uh, at first be off putting, but in a way that I think actually enhances the story overall because it deals with the. Uh, it deals with the struggles of being like everybody looking like down on you in I, a way. I, and it, it provides an interesting perspective for the main character as well as like the time period you're in being in the late 1800s. It, it's, I, I did not anticipate <laughs> a Phoenix Wright game being like, Hey, we're going to deal with this particular aspect of being this portion from this place in this location. And from what I understand... And so the fact that it yeah. does is kind of impressive. I That's why when you yeah. said that, I was like, isn't Phoenix Wright supposed to be kind of lighthearted and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of whimsical? But the fact that they deal with that is actually kind of, um, kind of interesting. And it's me. all handled in a way that is... As I said, it kind of enhances the story because it adds like an additional layer to another element that your character has to overcome. Yes. And from what I understand, that was one of the reasons why it took so long to localize. Come being a 3DS game originally, and then taking so long to like remaster and then come to the Switch and PS4 and PC, I believe. Because like I, the localizers really wanted to spend time making like, hey, we want to make sure we get this right. Especially, I imagine it's a very touchy subject to be a localizer on. You want to make sure not to like water down mm-hmm. the problem, but at the same time, you don't want to misinterpret any of the the intentions. Like, it, it, I imagine that's kind of a daunting task as a localizer. I have no, no. I speak one language, and I don't. I do not speak it well. But people who are really, like, key parts of teams, like, I know, like, people who do localization for, like, mangas that come in and get published in the United States. Like, those guys walk. It takes a long freaking time. And it's more than just translating words. It's translating meanings and cultural, like, subtext you want to con- like that. Like, you want to convey uh, cultural information 
in a way that explains it to you, but at the same time does not seem like, hey, people in Japan just know this. Yes. But as an as an American, you're like, I don't understand. What, what are these guys talking about? Exactly. You're having to take things that are just basic understanding of people from the Japanese culture and conveying it to an American audience without it coming across like a, like a lesson. Like you have to kind of – and sometimes it's like picking and choosing – how you're going to do that like do you take it straight up or do you kind of maybe substitute some other more western you know you know concept here it's a very complicated thing man those people are very underappreciated when people get these games that come in from other countries and as a game that's 95 percent dialogue i think they nail it so far like i'm very into the story no i mean if i wasn't then there'd be nothing bad translation ruined this whole game oh it's it, it's the translation's flawless from what I've seen. Again, I'm not a Japanese yeah. speaker at all, but um, it seems very well done. And I imagine if there was, because there was enough people who speak both languages, I imagine if there was a like dramatic issue with the translation, it would be known. Well, there has been a fan translation that's been out for a couple years, and even the people who are responsible for the fan translation is like, oh, no, they nailed it. They actually did a lot better than we could ever hope to do yeah. as a group of fans. So, so in that case, I feel like that's the greatest... It's a success. That's yeah. the greatest compliment you can get if the people who cared about this so much that they did their own translation were like, oh, right, this is great. This is completely valid. Because you you kind of look at those, those kind of people's opinions with a little bit of a side eye, like how much is it they're just going to defend their walk, you know, over yep. the official walk. So if they are coming out and being like, no, this is great, then it's probably a pretty solid translation. Exactly. But um, that's just something you don't really think about a lot with video games in particular, especially how many games come out of Japan. Like, man, translation means everything, especially these kind of games. Mm -hmm. You screw that up, you're you're getting a a product that at worst doesn't make any sense, but at best is just convoluted and not going to get across the points that they hope. There's a lot more scrutiny about that than there was in like the ps1 days yeah when we you just can have when you can have like what people consider some of the greatest games of all time like final fantasy 7 have con- incredibly broken dialogue in its initial run <laughs> and we would just like <laughs> maybe because i was younger i just assumed that these were weirdly written games like i never put two and two together that maybe there was something lost in translation i just always assumed like Man, that guy's really weird. That character's super weird. When you get item get, that's like, oh, that's just how. Yeah. That, that's just how writing is. Like, maybe that's just not a phrase I've heard before. Item get, <laughs> absolutely. Maybe I'm just a really bad in the English class, and not, you know, maybe I, that's the proper English after all. I don't know. Um, no, I'm glad that you're enjoying it, man. I mean, yeah, I know you went into it with high hopes, and it's good that it's living up to your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you've been playing? Uh, getting my daily fix of Wordle. Oh, okay. And pulling everybody into that that they see that uh, that's like you should play some Wordle. Boy, that feels like that almost was a segue. <laughs> um, almost stepping on my toes over here. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about this thing. This is a phone game, correct? Uh, an internet browser game. Internet browser game. Uh, Nick, do you, you have t- the you one? Say that like you're too good to play Wordle. <laughs> like, no, I, let's go ahead and explain the game, and then I will tell you why I would never play it. Oh my Nick, God. what is? The, you have also been playing this. Yeah, yeah. And you have also probably been sitting over there for the past 11 minutes working on one particular problem in this game. I've been thinking about it. I haven't been playing on it my phone because I got schooled before 
behind the curtain right there. They say, don't do it. But, but, but you got told that you can't be playing video games on the podcast about talking about video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no games. But I have been there in, in my mind this whole time just trying to figure out what this word is. So if everyone's like in the comments on your favorite podcasting app, they're like, Nick just didn't feel there this week. Yeah. It's because he's over there playing this game, man. He doesn't. He's not even paying any attention. It's my fault. I reminded him. I was like, "Did you stop the yeah. puzzle today?" And he was like, "Oh no, gravity, yeah. you do that." Wordle was like awesome, but I, I just completely forget about it every day until somebody mentions it. But somebody always mentions it every day, so <laughs> so it always keeps it. Okay, explain the game. We've talked around it. What is what is this game? Go for it, Michael. It is a word game where you have to guess a five-letter word. Okay. And for every time you guess, it tells you if you have a word in the a letter in the wrong spot or a letter in the correct spot, and you have six guesses to get the word right. Yeah. So it's almost like a um, it's like a game you would. Is, is it kind of like a uh, like a wheel of fortune kind of thing where you guess in letters? Yeah. So it's it's like a daily wheel of fortune puzzle. Kinda. Yeah, sure. You know the mini game in Sleeping Dogs where you have to guess the password. Yes. Is is that but okay. words? So it's only one a day, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah. and so, everyone gets the same word. Okay, so it's like universal. So exactly. there will, so so I know a, what it is, but I'm not going to tell Nick. Okay, <laughs> but somewhere there's a Twitter account that just Definitely. tells you yeah, the Those answer. people are assholes. <laughs> Why would you do that? That's, um, so I am vaguely aware of this game because I believe it was yesterday. Michael was stuck on a ward, <laughs> and we were in a room full of people. How many people do you think were there? How many darts were there? Because my kids don't count, because my kids are going to be like, I don't know, man. Screw four you adult, me about my, four my, adults in the room at the time. Adult, yeah. Everyone was asked what the help with this, Ward. Except me. <laughs> Except me. And when I said, tell me what the Ward is, everyone laughed. They're like, Eric can't spell what the damn. You're, you're um, uh, my, enhancing some details, if you no, will. No, no, one, no, no I'm not you, enhancing No one looked detail. at you and laughed. Yes, they did. They were like, Eric can't spell what the damn. This is why you didn't come to me. I mean, you can't. And then who got, <laughs> yes, I know I can't. <laughs> Fun little fact about this podcast, those descriptions, they all get ward checked by the other two members of this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, listen, make sure I didn't fuck this up. Also, if you were asking Michael what the word was, you're already no help because that means he figured it no, out. No, I was asking what he had, like oh, what letters right. he had. Because okay. I was stuck, I had one more thing. It was one of those. It was one of those with two uh, of the same letter in it, yeah. which always sucked because it doesn't tell you. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So. And Michael, who was the one who successfully solved the water of the day? It was you. Congratulations, you. you guessed robot. Yes, I, I know apparently how to like. I know one word, but no. Uh, this is all to say. I, only reason I wanted to talk about this game was just to tell everyone I was the one who solved it, and Michael had no faith in me to do it. You know, this is just me being very passive aggressive on this podcast. Can you blame me though for no, not? No, no, I can't spell with a shit. Your perspective. Can't spell with a shit. No, my, Nick, we I have. I think I figured the word out. We have a couple. All minutes. right, we got it. We what, bre- okay, breaking, what is the word? Breaking news. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. We're doing this in real time. Let's do this in real time. Well, I'm like, I'm on a lot. Three minutes here. Oh no. <laughs> to solve this it's word. No. Yes, you got two it. L's, guys. Two L's. You got it on three. Split it. Took, it. it took got me it on four. six. I got it on four. Okay, it took me six yeah. tries today. Okay, the the word was what? Noel. K N O L L. All right. So now our listeners know exactly what day we record this now. Wait a second. I like those. Like that was a word two days ago. <laughs> like someone listens to this like multiple weeks in the future, and they're like, "Oh, we go back, man, bam, 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 bam." Oh, I know what day it was. I don't know how that <laughs> helps him. I don't know how that enhances the listener's <laughs> experience to listen to this show. 
But uh, congratulations, Nick. Well, I'm glad you. that you, you can now pay attention <laughs> to the podcast. Right. Well, what were we talking about? Uh, video games, Nick. Weird. What video games have you played? Uh, Wordle. <laughs> yeah, I played a little Wordle. Okay. Are we well, you've only played now? a one a day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What other video well, sometimes games? Sometimes I miss them, so. <laughs> Do you get to go back? No, no. no. Okay, well, shit. It's, a, it's the way that we keep the world grounded in this present moment. Because if not, then you ever would just sit there all day. You would still not be paying attention to this podcast. It's true, yeah, it's true. I think there's games out there like that. I think this that's what makes this difference. Like, it's just one. Like, there's no pressure. What, what was the game that was, like, the live Twiddle game that was out for a while? The, the, um, the, the host guy. Not the Twiddle, HQ. Oh, HQ. HQ. It's like, yeah, like, if that, you could do the HQ anytime you want. Where is Scott? It didn't matter. Where is it Scott It only mattered today? that you had to be there at that time. To do it exactly, I think so, he has a baseball show. The communal aspect. He has a baseball show. Now? I th- yeah, I think so. Okay, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we know what Scott's up to. Maybe uh, is he be- is possibly he- up to? Is he still being shaken down by the head of Vine, telling him not to talk about salads? Probably. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was this. Just is- going off the rails. <laughs> Let's get back to talk about video so, games. So what you're saying is it's a normal show for us? That's yes. Right. Nick. Video games. Have um, you played them? Yeah, I played Windjammers 2. Hey, yeah. Came out after like 40 years. Okay, is it good? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's more Windjammers, really. Is that, that's pretty much all anybody wants, right? Yeah, like they want to play Windjammers on New something art style. that they don't have to download onto a, an emulator. emulator. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's a very pretty art style. Too. I like it. Like, like the hand, I like the, the hand-drawn art, art. It's cool because you can like alternate between Windjammers one and two when you're like, I feel like we'll get the pixel art. What? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, no, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, I have Windjammers one on my Switch, so oh. I'm like, I'm saying I could go. B- <laughs> back I, like, I like the fact that you said yeah. that. Like, you can. So no, 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 and no. then you're yeah. like, well, if you have Windjammers one, I can. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing that I was kind of going to get to with the Windjammers thing is like, I don't think there's any unlockables like i think it's just like here's some wind jammers play it pretty much yeah play it online if i you haven't want to, which noticed cool. any uh unlockables um, but i've only played one round of arcade and then burned up all my continues on the final boss yeah dude. he just punches the disc yeah i'm like you can't yeah, do that it's really hard <laughs> it's a hard game yeah yeah um do you want like isn't that kind of refreshing though yeah that there's not a bunch of unlocks or no, a pass. No, not for me. I feel like this is like a pass. Fuck that. Like I don't need a battle pass for Windjammers. But I feel like in a game that's kind of like fighting game adjacent, you want to, to unlock cool stuff like new characters and that's well, true, yeah, or something like am, challenge a guy, challenge a person one on one to unlock right, them. Yeah, yeah. I so imagine. Cool. There will eventually be unlockable characters if this does well. I mean, why wouldn't there be? Absolutely. Like, what stops them from in the next you know few months being like, hey, check out these two people. Now you get to play as these guys. Yeah. So I don't foresee that being out I, of the. I can see something possible. like that happening. So, uh, my my only uh, complaint with the game is that you can't skip the XP screen at the end. Oh yeah. So it like. You're on that screen for like 30 seconds waiting for your <laughs> XP to count down when you're like, I just want to play more Windjammers. Which, and like, to the same point, for what? Like, what's the experience for? It's I don't like, know. I've played this much Windjammers. I haven't used it for anything. Yeah. Is it just for online and being like, this is my, I'm a level two Windjammer? Maybe, but I feel like if anybody cares and they're going to like throw that around, they're going to play ranked and they're going to be like, no, look at my little disc. It's not clay, it's slightly brown. Like, I don't know. That is odd to have an XP system that doesn't lead to anything. Yeah. Like, I get the rank thing being like, okay. Insert Halo Infinite joke here. Yeah. 
The X Men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get those one get those play a game freaking <laughs> challenges now. I tried to unlock some stuff doing the cyberpunk event that they have. I think it's still running. And um like it, it just it gets to the point where it's like you only get one of them that counts towards the that path. So you're just sitting there being like, Do I really wanna like play this game mode and just like try to do uh the uh back back hits, the assassinations? And I got to get six of them, so I guess I'm not going to try to win and instead try to sneak up behind people and hit them in the back. Even though I lost, I got four of them. <laughs> now I'm just going to spend another 20 minutes in my next game doing it again. Trying to do it. Like, one of them was, like, get ten pistol kills. And, like, the pistol was great in Halo when yeah. you're, you know, popping it out real quick and dropping a guy. But, like, actively trying not to shoot like oh no it was 10 assault rifle kills oh that's terrible so it's like <laughs> there would be times where i would just melee the guy to end him but i was actively trying to reload and try yeah. to shoot it just yeah it's i that's not a solution did you play a bunch of that i was curious about it i again have not even popped back in um, that game mode is not my favorite is it just fiesta like the other one was no no it's um it's called attrition mm. so each team starts off with five respawns then as you run out of the respawns, the deaths become permanent. That but, sounds like fun to me. But, but you can bring them back. It is, I imagine is more fun not solo queuing. Probably. But because of the fact this is a limited time thing and everyone's trying to get those challenges. Nobody's playing I noticed objectives or anything. Not a lot like of people tried to. Well, like everyone would keep going for kills. Like you would be down to like one on three. It'll straight up tell you one on three. Yeah. And, like, the best move there is to hide and try to get yourself to where the you, your teammates died Turn and bring them back. Three 1v1s and bring something. them back, yeah. yeah. And when people did that, it was fun. But the problem is there was a, um, just, like, you could tell people, like, oh, I got to get a headshot. So, yeah, run and die, but I took one out, so I'm moving up towards getting my, my, uh, spiky. my spiky, you know, mohawk yeah. helmet. Um, yeah. yeah, it just... That kind of stuff is really off-putting to me. I thought about um, dropping in because I like that color scheme, that like purple and blue vapor wavy type. No, it's a cool. Thing. They, there's some cool stuff. Like the uh, there's a visor one. Yes, yeah, that, that doesn't one. look as cool for the the armor I use. Um, I think it would look better if they gave out maybe colors of armor a little bit more frequent. Yeah, or let you customize your own. You know, or let you customize your own because I know, like I had a cool concept in my head. But I can't create it because I don't have the armor set. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a interesting game mode. It's not bad. Um, and like I believe that after a short amount of time, it becomes almost like a battle royale thing where it starts to bring a ring in mm. to keep you from just stalling too long. That makes sense. Um, it's not a bad mode. Uh, it can be very frustrating when everyone is – because you have to play more conservative. Um, and there's always that one guy – who goes and gets all five of your kills taken out like right from the get go? <laughs> and now it's like, is it a shared pool of yes, like, it's a oh, shared pool. pool. Yeah. And so like there was always the one guy, and like you could spot him from the get go because he would like rush the rocket launcher at the beginning of the game, get killed, and just keep charging the guy with the rocket launcher, and yeah. it'll tell you like lives low, <laughs> no lives remaining, and you'll look at the scoreboard. It's like this fucker died five times. <laughs> but um, no, it's yeah, it's not. It, it's not their best event. No. Um, I think the Fiesta mode is, to be honest with you, a little bit more fun. But I kind of want them to get more into crazy modes. Yeah. Um, it'd be really nice if, like, 
shoddy snipers or zombies or something like that was added on there yeah. as a playlist. I know you can probably you know just make those games. Well, on, they don't uh, have the forage thing either, right? That's not. Uh, added, I don't is believe it, it is. Up. So yeah, you I think still you can't can... play those, even if you wanted to do the painstaking work to. Make well, I think that you map. can do custom games and yeah. maybe make the rule set, but it's not going to be the same as like Halo Three level forge, where people were making like custom maps for zombies and yeah. custom map for shoddy snipers and stuff like that. It's just going to be on maps pre-made. Yeah. Which is not going to probably be as good of an experience. Um, so that's yeah. Windjammers 2. That was Windjammers 2. Anything um, else you would like to speak, talk no, about? No. It's a fun game. It's yeah. one of those games that like I take weirdly competitively. So like I'm one of two games in my life I probably would fight somebody over is like Windjammers and then probably Puzzle Fighter. I fight you on both of those. Let's go. I, but like I'm saying, I no. would get actually mad. Like, like <laughs> he's leaving out Metal uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Three. No, those things like those all fighting games. I'm down to play, and I'll, I can have a uh, like a like a casual competition and just be like, all right, man, we can walk away from this. But like I don't know. There's a few games like Tetris. If you want to play Tetris Effect, the Zone, I forget what it's called, Zone Battle maybe. Like, I get serious about that. Like, I'll sit there for, like, hours and just try to grind SR. For on, a guy who's very, battles. very chill most of the time. <laughs> like, it is weird what does eventually set you off. And it's always, like, weird stuff. Like, that's probably, like, the lowest stakes game. Like Yeah, it's I, not. I don't, I'll play PUBG and I'll lose every time. I'm just like, all right, whatever. We've played, I've played many, many, <laughs> like, shooters and competitive online games with you. And never are you the guy who makes it not fun. <laughs> like, you're not going to be like, fuck y'all. y'all why didn't y'all stick up the, we got to get the stack, man. You got to get the stack here in apex like never were you like that but yeah then tetris all the it comes out of nowhere it's like oh yeah. just play some fun tetris games with nick oh no nick's like got me by the throat being like would you ever fucking mess with my tetris again i think with tetris it's worse too because like your failures are your own like you just oh no i pressed up at this wrong time and now i've messed my entire well up but there's nothing to blame it on except yourself right it's like <laughs> any other games you've been playing that's it man um i'll be real brief here brief um, Breath of the Wild finally got around to starting that. I've been talking about trying to get into it. Uh, hey, here's a shocker from a couple of years ago. Breath of the Wild, pretty damn good video game. What? <laughs> pretty good. Um, First I've heard of it. Yeah, I know. I'm still fairly in, uh, fairly um, early on. You know, I'm not that deep into it, but I very much enjoy it. It's a very like relaxing experience. Um, I know that it's a couple years old and everything, but then I was playing it on the mobile version of my Switch, and I was still like, damn, it's, it's pretty cool that you can play a game like this on, on the go. Yeah. I was riding in the car when I was playing that thing. I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> what do you use your Switch for? No, but, like, I was just thinking about, because I was riding in a, I never would, like, not drive. Yeah. So I was fair. riding in a car, and I was thinking back on, like, the last time I was doing a car trip with, a like, a portable system in my hand. Yeah. And it would have probably been, like, the Game Boy Advance, you know. Yeah. And it was like, look at look at where we are now. <laughs> Life is moving forward in weird, cool ways. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a damn good video game. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to playing more of that thing. I, I uh, very much just enjoy, you know, climbing my little mountains and... Smacking guy. I'm at that point right now where all my stuff keeps breaking in two hits. Mm. Um, I do ask a simple question. How quickly do I get out of the point where all my stuff breaks in two hits? Just start killing stuff. Well, I got like a ton of everything. Like I got a ton of clubs and stuff. Are you still on the plateau? Yeah, I've completed three out of four of the little... Yeah. um, 
shrines, basically the tutorial shrines that show you yeah. the abilities. So I've done like the magnet, the uh, bomb, and one other one. So like you know, I'm still fairly early on. Eventually, you'll run into enemies that have better things for you to loot. Okay, so. and those will last a bit longer. There are the weapon durability is not going away, and that seems to be the main complaint with the game that I've seen. But it never bothered me because eventually you'll just get to a point with a max out inventory where you just have so many weapons, like where you're like, oh, I lost it. Yeah, I'm just gonna take yours now. My only like weird thing, and this might be just me being new to the game is sometimes I will break a weapon and it won't, like, there's no, like, auto-filling of the spot. You gotta re-equip. I gotta yeah. re-equip it. And getting my mind wrapped around, you know, swing, bam, bam, it breaks. And then trying to hit the button again. And yeah. it just it just feels a little bit clunky. Same thing with the bow. Like, I got the, the bow. So, like, if you run out, like, the special arrows and stuff, it didn't seem like it just auto-equips the next arrow. Um, but, that, I mean, you know, it's nothing game breaking or anything it's not like a bad mechanic it's just not something that i'm (laughs) i don't like durability but like i get it i'm not not gonna like be like yeah Yeah, i get the purpose i get the idea why they would do it i just kind of hope pretty quickly that i get some better stuff because right now i'm getting a lot of clubs and rusty swords and stuff and boy those things like you can't kill a whole you kill one enemy pull a weapon and it just feels kind of even i'm like I know it's Zelda is not realistic or anything, but I'm like, it's a pretty big club. I feel like I could kill two of these pigs with it. <laughs> I digress. That's a damn good video game. Um, and then Game Pass decided to drop like all the video games in one day. Pretty so much. Yeah. I have um, Wind Jam was two. Um, I have Death's Door, which I'm looking forward to playing mm. on my Xbox. And then um, I thought about getting Rainbow Siege, Siege Extraction. And then I just said, I don't know. I'm going to give it a little while and see how people talk about that game. Because uh, I love Rainbow Six Siege. I don't know if I really care this much about this here Alien Rainbow Six. Game Pass is a weird thing for me because I look at like the big releases and go, oh, there's a lot of download space. It'll take me a while for again to it. <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, paparazzi, all right. <laughs> one gig, let's take some pictures of dogs. This is a game I'll play once <laughs> and never again. Yeah. <laughs> I do the whole, like, load it up and then go to bed. Yep. So, like, I've been under the weather for the past week, and I cannot play video games when sick, which is a terrible thing. Um, so I just, like, load up the Xbox while sick, and then when I feel better, all of a sudden I'm like, I got a shit ton of video games to play. This is great. <laughs> um, speaking of some video games we've been playing, y'all want to talk about Control? Let's talk about Control. Man, that's a, that's a high-quality segue on the 30-minute mark. Perfect. It's like we got this down to a rhythm after doing this for a year and a half now. <laughs> also, you can tell if Michael did any editing, because if you, I say on the 30-minute mark, and it's like 28 minutes, they're going to be like, what the fuck happened in those two minutes? What did Eric say? It's like if something happens with that, I might just cut that bit out. <laughs> Weird. Speaking of which, and then it just cuts to control. <laughs> no, no, control. Uh Surprise, surprise. I, I still fucking love Control. It's a great game. Yeah. We were super high on Control last episode. No drop in quality, I would say, or my enjoyment of this game. No, I feel I, like it ramps up. Yeah, I think it gets better, which is kind of a, an odd thing, because if you listen to the show, gives you an excuse to kind of see like how we feel about games as they progress. Mm-hmm. And there is a general tendency that when we go into games, we enjoy them more than when we come into the second half. 
And sometimes it's just because the newness factor is gone. Dishonored was a big one. Yeah, yeah. Where we were like really high on it, and the second and the second half were like, it's good. Yeah, yeah. You're just <laughs> not as high on it. Mm. It's, you still enjoyed it, just not as high. But Control will high is a kind in this motherfucker. Oh yeah, this game. <laughs> so when we last left Jesse, we have kind of we kind of stabilized the bureau. Is the best way I kind of describe it. Yo, the Bureau is no longer, like, in intimate danger of blowing up. <laughs> now we can get down to the business of what brought Jesse here. Now we're... Which is talking and finding Dylan. Now we're f- diving into the main mystery. Now that we know where Dylan is, this is, kind of becomes a lot more straightforward storytelling than the first half. But because of that, that means the side missions really ramp up, and that's where a lot of the weirdness lies in this happening. Yeah, they don't they don't abandon the bureau being being weird. They just kind of move it to the side because we now need a little bit of more of a straight path to the ending. Well, before we kind of got to just play around and learn about the bureau. Now we need to kind of stay on target about Dylan. Which is perfect from a pacing standpoint because I feel like if they did the we don't know what's going on throughout the entire time, it would just be exhausting and frustrating to the point where it's like, I need some answers a little bit. But the fact that like they kind of do the switch where now all of a sudden you do kind of understand what's going on within the context of this weird world, it just, I just want, I'm getting to the main point that this game is incredibly well paced. And yes. they know exactly what to, what stops to pull when, and because of that, it is an incredible game. Yeah, yeah. I, I do not feel like there's a drop in quality at all here. No, no. Um, so, our last kind of like, um, I guess, cold teasel was that uh, we'll, we've been told that Dylan is in basically a uh, confinement slash prison cell in, now, say this location for me, Michael. The Panopticon? The Panopticon. Panopticon. The Containment Center is what they also call it, too. It goes by a, a yeah. few names. The Panopticon was the one that I struggled with because I was, uh, I would, like, say it right, like, two out of five times. <laughs> I was like, let, him, let somebody else take a shot at this first. Um, and the concept of that is pretty cool because it's basically a location for the bulk of the Bureau's objects of power. It's where they store this stuff, yeah. uh, which is kind of cool because at first you kind of thought I thought we were going to a prison like in a more traditional sense where there would be a large number of prisoners. Instead, it's a prison for mostly objects. Of power. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a fun little twist to things. And going in, you get the dialogue with uh, Trench as he calls it. As he says a powder keg. Like it's like if. Something goes off in here, and all the objects of power get loose. It'll basically be the end of the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's both an intelligent and non intelligent thing for the bureau to stick all this shit in the same spot. <clears throat> because while it's a maximum security facility, is it also really smart to put all the dangerous objects right in the same room? <laughs> um, and also the gentleman that they have put in charge of this thing—that dude rules. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> but uh, what's his name? Fe- Frederick. I think that's right. Yeah, he's great, but damn, he's not exactly... Uh... I love, like most of the game, I love how matter-of-fact the whole thing about this is. Like, just procedurals. Like, oh yeah, we put them on uh, slabs because they're used to being worshipped. 
kind of keeps them calm. No big deal. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's just like it's it's a thing they have to do. It's a procedure they have to do to make sure this thing doesn't freak out. Um, the whole kind of this whole section, and one of the things that this game does really well is with chapters introducing you to new floors mm-hmm. of the bureau. Um, this whole section is just really pretty cool, even from like locations like the Wall of Honor, where it's just like listing of all these different agents that have died and stuff like that. Um, you also run into the, the mold in this area, which is kind of something I already spoiled for myself because I ran into them when I went down that hole I wasn't supposed to go into yeah, yeah. and fought like a bunch of enemies way over a level, <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, who are these guys? It's like, I've already been here, man. <laughs> Um, there's a couple of really cool things here. Uh, and I don't want to skip too much, but when you actually get to the pan pan octagon, pan opticon, pan octagon, when you finally get there, you gotta kind of spend some time just walking around the cells, you know, just looking at objects. And I like that they don't spend a ton of time like explaining all of them. Because mm-hmm. it's even more mysterious just, like, walking up and being like, okay, there's a rocking horse here. What's up with this rocking horse? Um, and then we also introduced to my favorite gentleman, a uh, young man who is very, very concerned about the fact that no one has relieved him from his shift of staring at this particular fridge. Poor dude. Yeah, it's just the concept. It's like he's by himself up there. He's just like he can't not look at the fridge because something bad will happen. And the idea that he's just like, uh, no one's come relieve me. I've been staring with unblinking eyes at this fridge for the past 24 hours. Please, for the love of God, come get me out. Like it's the weeping angels from my doctor. Yeah, it's very much in line with that. But it's a fun little gag. And I like the fact that they don't open that side quest up to you until you get through some other stuff in the location. Yeah, you have to find Dylan because Jesse's like, let me deal with my stuff before I come back and get you. (laughs) Yeah, she's like... I like that it's not done callously. It's just the concept that she's like, I gotta, I'm in the middle of something, man. As soon as I can, I will come back and help. Um, this is a cool section. The biggest thing that we get in this section is we're going to get our next ability, which is the levitate, um, which is kind of the, um, it's kind of the necessity there to be able to get to the upper floors to actually get to Dylan's cell. It's like the final piece of the puzzle of movement because originally, like, in some areas, I'm thinking about research that's, like, multi-level. If you jump from, like, a high point to the middle point, you die and have to, like, go all the way around those stairs and everything. This kind of allows you to have, like, full range of motion around the bureau where, like, it's not a problem anymore. It definitely also increases your, um... Your combat efficiency. Oh yeah, I got. Re- I I didn't walk on the ground much in combat after I got this because man, you get up there and levitate, you start doing the the air dodge, throwing stuff down on guys. It makes the uh, the flying enemies a lot less of a problem because you can hit them with throwable objects a lot easier when you're hitting them from their own like plane. Yeah. Than when you are throwing up at them, they have more time to dodge. I think. Mm-hmm. But it's also a really cool visual. Um, set up for the TV object to power. It's, a, it's when this game really this game really starts to get into the trippy visuals in this particular um, section. So yeah, like the environment throughout uh, shift is shifting in real time as you're like I believe this happens like during the combat section too. Like it's the whole environment is like um, moving and changing 
all around you. Yeah, it's a little bit Which more. Um... They do this um, in points too, where you like take over the control point, and then the room shifts and like reconfigures itself. But I think this is the first time it's happening as you have full control. Yeah, and there's a nerd section later where it does stuff like that, where we're going to spend a lot of time talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah, we're talking about that in a lot more <laughs> detail. Um, also, one thing I like about it, we uh, to get to this section, you have to traverse the um, the the hotel and uh this is when the hotel stops being such a like um a passive experience in terms of ours. you know you kind of get comfortable going through the hotel after a while it's the same process this is when things are starting to get a little bit more scary they're screaming in the background or like laughing in one of the rooms yeah or something. you <laughs> get a you get the classic jump scare when you do the the light switches with dylan um it's just it's just making it's playing more up off the fact that this is not just because you've been here before doesn't mean it's a nice safe place, and that's something that's kind of going to be a, a kind of running theme with these next section is that the um, the altered these events and the uh, the astral plane and places like that just because you go there a lot doesn't mean that they are hospitable safe places for you they are places that are just as dangerous as anything else in the house um and even though you more usually the thing with a lot of mystery stuff and psychological thrillers is the more you know about a thing the less scary it is but they always throw like a curve Mm -hmm. your way to keep this stuff interesting and scary in some aspects too well, yeah, and they, yeah. they do a good job of being able to reuse assets and locations, but not feel like they're just cheap reusing. Like, it's not like a hallway copy and paste. It's a story reason why you're going back to this location over and over again, and it never feels like... Every time I went back, I was like, okay, what's changed? And mm-hmm. you're, like, you're on your guard more, and you want to kind of track things more, instead of just being like, oh, this is just an excuse for them to make transitions. And even when you go back to Central Executive, you have uh, more, with your key card, you can go in some, like, the more rooms and discover some more stuff. Like, the room that is just covered in sticky notes. Yeah. With the memo that says, um, yeah, the, the sticky note keeps multiplying, so now my office is unusable. Yeah, I got lucked out because he started working from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm about to say, he probably, he has no clue what's going on here at the Bureau. He's just like, man, why is, why is no everyone one... waiting for their Zoom meeting? Yeah. Like, I've been trying to do the morning meeting and no one will show up. Uh, he's just sitting there with his, like, his business suit on top and little shorts on the bottom, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, and that's one thing I really enjoy about the key card stuff. At first, I was kind of frustrated because how often I would run into doors that were not available for me and i was like well what am i gaining here why would i come back if it's just an upgrade that box in there but because it's some more like story or environmental stuff in there it makes it more worth your while to go back and make sure to go grab that real quick um one of the big things i enjoyed about this is uh so when you finally gain the levitate ability by the way we finally get to meet Salvador. <laughs> like, if you, the homeboy's been talking about how great this head of security guy is and how awesome he is, and now we finally got to meet him and fight him in a really fucking tough boss fight. <laughs> um, but when you finally get Levitate, you get to go see um, Dylan's cell, I guess. I, I do want to say one thing here. This had my favorite, like, uh, bit with 
the um, board of directors where they uh, they do like the split uh, um, words to describe things, and at the TV slash babysitter, <laughs> yeah. that gave me a gave me a good chuckle. Well, also like it's the first time that there's a implication that the board is actually directly in danger because like you know before you kind of like is the board just like this separate entity that just interacts with the the you know bureau through the we know they're the director we know they're tied to the director and they exist in the astral plane but that's at this point again that's all we know about yeah them. this is when we're finally getting to see that maybe they have more of a direct stake in what's happening here like this is maybe more of a one-to-one for them. Is the first time it kind of shows that. And why they're not like, hey, these, these hiss seem pretty powerful. powerful. Let's just appoint a hiss as yeah. a director. Yeah, why they're not... They have a direct interest in stopping this. Yeah. Um, I do kind of like the turn on the play because you get to the cell, right? And it would be easy in this story to do the Hannibal Lecter thing of Jesse, you know, meeting Dylan while he's in his cell. I mean, know? they do that not but too far from now, but... They do... Not too far from now, but instead they kind of subvert it real quick. The fake out here. With the fake out when you get there and he's already out. And you're like, oh shit, you know, is he out, you know, crazy murdering everybody? And instead you get the call that he's like, he just walked into freaking HQ. <laughs> he just walked in. Um, if you would have stayed here for like half an hour, he would have just come to you. Um, but also, you know, you get some cool audio messages, you know, kind of giving some background into what's going on here with Dylan. How they've been interacting with him uh once again all star of this entire video game is our head research doctor (laughs) this guy's every freaking audio file every video file he kills it (laughs) and like the fact that you are getting more and more of his backstory of how he's directly linked to dylan and his slow descent into madness is something beautiful to behold (laughs) yeah But he's he's a high quality actor. Doctor Darling is probably the best character in this game, and you don't meet him physically. He's just yeah. a, his presence is well, amazing, we, and I hope there's more of him in the DLC. Uh, he's like the berry of this game, where I'm like, I want I want more of you. <laughs> I hope he I hope we get more of him. Also, I kind of feel like his story gets wrapped up. Yeah, I but, feel like too. It's a little ambiguous. They leave it ambiguous for a reason. I feel like. Yeah. Is he on a different plane of reality? Who knows? I, I hope so. I hope that he shows up in Alan Wake too, instead awesome. of instead of Barry. Here comes Doctor Darling, or Doctor Darling and Barry team up. That's right. It'd be great. I'm just saying, Riveti, hire me. Um, <laughs> but I do like the freak out where, like, instead of you know meeting Dylan there, he just walks into the 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 HQ. Um, and you know, let's talk about y'all went back and did the side mission, correct? With the fridge. Oh, the fridge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's yeah. a damn good side mission. <laughs> I just love when you go to the main guy about it. He doesn't know what you're talking about at first. He's like, Fridge Duty. He's like, oh, crap. I forgot about Fridge Duty. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he's called Fridge Duty, and he's just like, shit. <laughs> like, like, I like the... We've all had those moments at work where, like, you were supposed to respond to that one email three days ago, and, like, it's Friday afternoon, you're about to go home, and you realize, <laughs> oh, shit, I was sent in the expense report. Um, and it's just, like, that level of... Yo, he's dealing with, like, ward-killing devices, but even he was like, shit. (laughs) Um, Great scene. Like, obviously, the guy doesn't make it. But 
It's a great little like optional boss, and there's a lot of those in here. This boss, when you're deal originally, I was dreading this again because playing this on a chuggy original Xbox was tough, <laughs> as he's just like destroying environments, yeah. ripping up the floor underneath you. I died originally, uh, falling through the floor more than anything else. But I beat him this time on my second try. This yeah, giant eyeball monster, tentacle monster thing. What weapons are you guys using at this point? Because I feel like my weapon choices have completely changed at this point, too. I no longer use the pistol, no longer use the machine gun or the shotgun. I use that charge gun. Same. And then the I eventually use almost exclusively the rocket launching gun. Oh, I never even picked that up. Oh, really? I don't think I got that either. I got I used the charge shot and the shotgun. Did you pick that up in a DLC perchance, the rocket launcher? Oh uh, no, I, I okay. saw it. It was no, I, I just you, never got around to building. I think okay, you gotcha. get it around chapter seven or eight. Okay, I don't think I've collected the right materials for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's baseline, but uh, gotcha. I got really into making sure I was using the appropriate mods. And like the big thing I found out is lean away from mods that are basic like damage buffs. And lean heavier into like special buffs to like specific ideas. So like for the rocket launcher, it's a three-shot rocket launcher that you can charge to shoot all at once. But I got a mod that made it have an after-effect explosion, and then I had a mod that doubled the uh, blast radius, mm. and then Ooh. I got a mod that doubled the damage of the after-effect explosion. Mm. So that thing will fuck you up if you shoot it within like ten feet of yourself. But you can just empty that thing into rooms and just watch bodies go flying. Oh, man. Um, that sounds cool. The boss kind of is a good example of what you're going to see more of throughout this game. Because there's a lot of like the tougher, more difficult bosses are hidden behind side missions. And I like that. Because it doesn't, A, if you are in a situation where you're not yet, you don't have enough mods, you don't have enough abilities unlocked. You, just you can kind of come back to it and just fight them later. Um, but I, I really like that concept that, hey, we got all these tough enemies that are a lot more difficult, but we'll just stick them behind the side missions. You can get to them when you want to. Because the main story doesn't have, like, as many roadblocks. The final encounters near the end get really tough, but there's nothing that I'm just, like, banging my head against for no. an hour on end. Nothing in the main campaign, no. Yeah, no. Um. Those boss fights, though, and the side missions are... They're pretty rough. Oh, man. Pretty rough. <laughs> Um, fridge guy, you, uh, successfully cleanse the fridge, so you no longer have to watch the fridge. You remove all the moldy cheese and everything. Yeah, so you got everything it. cleaned out. Uh, big, like, I just, I just love that whole concept, especially, like, when you walk into the, the little side room there, and he, apparently he screws up 24 hours, man, too long, too long. Um, gets himself eaten by a fridge. And, like, one thing I really am impressed by is Jessie in these chapters. Her voice acting is so damn good. Apparently, like, uh, the lady that does the voice acting was on, like, an old soap opera or something. She also oh. looks like Jesse. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I found a YouTube video that's hard doing the tour of Remedy. But, like, it's always weird to see Jesse walking around talking about Remedy. I was like, it's Jesse. In, in character? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Kind of, maybe. Not like, I'm the voice. I'm... I'm the actress, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or something else going on here. Yeah, she doesn't, like, straight up, like, refer to herself as Jesse or nothing, but gotcha. it was very cool to see. Like, it's just like, oh, shit, that's Jesse. Um, but <laughs> I was uh, really, yeah, big fan of, like, her, like, delivery on a lot of lines. Like, when she goes into that room there, she's just like, 
uh, you know, what's the guy's name? I forget the kid's name. Ah, oh, damn. Well, like, let's call him Travel. But it's like when the door opens, she's like, Travel? Yeah, Travel. <laughs> like, just this, like, very subtle, like, it's not delivered in, like, the stereotypical scared line. There's a great line when you're dealing with some mold later on where she's like, let's get to cleaning, she says as she loads her gun. <laughs> like, it's just very, like, she, she her personality comes through really well in these chapters. And um, never does she feel uh, one-dimensional. There's really more of a like confidence that. about her. Yeah, the more confident she gets, the more I feel her personality comes through. Exactly. Um, which is cool. I, like, I, I really come out of this game liking Jesse. Um... Obviously, you can just fast travel your way back to uh, to the um, executive offices to do the next section and complete this whole mission. Uh, did y'all do any other side missions before you jumped into the next chapter? Uh, clocks. clocks. Yeah, I did do that one as well. Yeah. This is the one where you get to, you save, you try to save the guy who needs a medic. So you have to go to a threshold where a bunch of clocks are pouring in. To rescue him you can do that and then you find out that the guy once you get back he's turned into a hiss mm-hmm. so you, you gotta kill him and then you go back to clocks where another boss is waiting i think i missed this one mm-hmm. i don't believe i did this one which is a shame because that sounds really fun this is a hard boss yeah a lot of the like story stuff is that part where you're like trying to save this dude and then when you go back it's just like a straight up boss fight is the boss like a straight up normal like hissified guy or is no, it it's is a... a giant orb that opens a pac-man mouth and spits clocks at you yeah i while, gotta go back and do this while uh enemies are the worst kind of enemies the ones that'll just float at you and explode mm-hmm. are constantly dogging you where so is that uh, one is where rough. is the trigger point for this um in the security area That's right, yeah Okay, I need to go do this one because I missed this one, which is a shame because this sounds really freaking fun. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did not complete every single side mission. If it was something like clear the mold out of all these offices, I didn't do it. I, I never finished I, the mold I one. I tried to just do the ones that looked like they were leading to stuff like this. So if I missed it, it might have been because I was not thinking it was going to be one of the, like, the quote-unquote good ones, I, I didn't, guess. I didn't finish the mold one. I didn't finish the checklist of altered items because those just seemed to be like, uh, you get a little bit of a boost, but it's nothing like cool story-related things going on from what I've seen. And I kept failing the mirror boss fight. Oh, see, the mirror, the mirror <laughs> one is it's cool, but I, I thought, after dying a few times, I'm like, I need to finish this game. Nah, I, killed, <laughs> I killed that guy in one shot. Evil Jesse went down easy. No, really? Why? Rockets. Oh, man. My friend, you get those rockets, <laughs> it makes life pretty damn easy. I need to go back with those rockets. Yeah, I didn't do it with a rocket. I had to use a lot of force powers. Yeah, see, rockets make that, because she can jump around all she wants. But with big old blast splash damage, she's just jumping into a rocket. Um, so, uh, we'll talk about that one real quick. The mirror one's great. The setup for it is The setup awesome. is great. I love the concept of having to do what's like the opposite in the mirror to trigger the security lockdown uh i love going into the mirror ward and every and jesse talking backwards um, and like the same audio recordings just right there so you hit again think it's gonna be something different but it's the same one played in reverse yeah but you can hear what the other dude was saying at yeah that point. yeah it's <laughs> a it's a great it's a well thought out little side mission and yeah you just fight evil jesse you know but it's it's really cool. It's it's a really cool thing. The um 
couple other things I want to talk about before we jump into the next chapter. There is an altered, uh, there's a object of power that is a thermos. Yeah. That just yep. straight up talks about it being from Bright Falls mm-hmm. and from the cafe. Um, that's that was a fun little reference. I like the idea is like, wait a minute. Uh, the the gears were turned. I was like, wait a minute. Is there so many of those thermoses because they kept duplicating like everything else in this <laughs> world? So I was thinking, oh man, that'd be hilarious. There, there was also a bit. This is not the main. We'll get to the Bright Falls uh, AWE report later because there's a lot of juicy stuff in there. But there's a offhand uh, mention in one of the reports that um, Alan was considered to be a prime candidate, but they couldn't find him. Yeah, because he was lost in the lake, lake around this time. I thought that was really so. cool because it makes you realize that, like, the, it makes you realize also that the. The bureau is almost like always on the lookout for potential candidates. Mm-hmm. So like anybody who has survived, it makes sense, right? Like if you were the bureau and this Alan Wake guy made it through all this shit he went through in Alan Wake, boy, he maybe should be a daggum, uh, you know, potential candidate for director. Also like the fact that um, Jesse references the fact that she knows him as a movie director. Oh. Uh, you get that in one particular statement, and then I won't talk about anything else that I. Oh, okay. Played, so it was it a no, DLC? No, 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 no. It was not in the DLC. It was not in the DLC. She references it after you look at a uh, one of the uh, the little uh, reports about him, mm-hmm. where it straight up calls him a writer, and she goes, "Wait, isn't he a direct? He was a director." And that's all they almost say. Every Alan Wake reference, I sent uh, GIF to them on Discord of the scene from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Where Leonardo DiCaprio points oh, at the screen. Yeah. I was like, every single time there's an Alan Wake reference. I like point at the screen going, I get it. I have a yeah. four-page <laughs> note section about Alan Wake. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we did not talk about this one last time because, Nick, I think you went and cleaned it up this, yeah, this playthrough, the, uh, which was the... Um, hypnosis thing. The hypnosis one. Yeah, really that was cool really setup. cool. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a cool little puzzle, but then a really cool setup where uh, you have to you know, you know have to get your way in. And of course, once you cleanse the object everyone dies in the room which feels a little bit rough (laughs) but uh just a cool little puzzle where i like that one a lot and also gives you the ability to do the c's which is an underrated ability if i do say so myself if you uh upgrade that thing you can it can be very helpful especially in some of the more chaotic fights um ready let's jump into meeting dylan so dylan just walked on in (laughs) and proceeded to get himself put into a crazy floating cell they made they made they made reference to like he's here on his own we didn't put him in here yeah <laughs> probably to ease jesse's mind because the whole yeah we like, took him from you originally but this was, he, uh-huh. he 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 put himself in the cage let's do it this time last time we put him in the cage this time he put himself in the cage exactly um a couple of things here dylan himself is like my kind of my least favorite part of this game yeah um he's not nearly as strongly written of a character as everyone else is and i feel like that bit never fully this might be fixed in dlc it never fully resolves Mm -hmm. at the end it just seems like and we're done all right cool i feel like he yeah he's he really is kind of the weakest part i also think him as like a voice actor is kind of not as strong as most of the other people in he, this game. He doesn't have a lot to do besides the I'm uh, someone you knew from your childhood, but now something is wrong with me. The voices are in my head, Jesse. He, yeah, he just kind of <laughs> does the whole off-putting, way too polite 
talking crazy. I had a dream going back and night. forth between that and the they're in my head. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, he is the weakest part of this game. If I when I got to him, I finally got the the big sit down where Jesse finally finds him and you have this big conversation. I was just kind of like, eh, yeah, okay. Be- because unlike the rest of the game, this is stuff we've seen before. We've seen a guy behind a glass prison uh, with multiple personalities kind of losing his mind and uh, sort of coming to a dark power. It's something we've seen before. There's no, like, th- th- there's no, like, procedural, uh, well, uh, office-y twist to it. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just that. It's very much straight up, like, science fiction this is the the bad guy who's behind the glass pulling the strings, and it just doesn't feel as unique as so many other things. Exactly, it's not bad, but like compared to the rest of the game, it's probably the most like, all right, we've I've seen this before. I was a little concerned because when I finally met Dylan, I was like, ah, I don't think I care about this that much. But thankfully, the objective shifts very quickly from Dylan to the object of power that you and Dylan found in Ordinary, the which mi- is the slideshow. The mystery about Dylan is a million times more compelling than Dylan himself. Yes, and that's that's ve- and also Dylan kind of is such a backseat. Like you don't deal with him very much in the grand scheme of things for the rest of this game that I don't feel like he drags it down too much. Um, so basically kind of the next, like, driving point is Dylan gives away the fact that they have the slide projector and that it's on site and also Dylan gives away the fact that he was basically why why he was pulled away from the candidate for um for directorship and that and he, he the, kills yeah. people and that the slide projector was the door that brought the hiss it brought the hiss in and it, and could- it also brought Polaris in he also really fucking hates Polaris. And he's using you, and he's like, oh, no, the hiss are the better option, is straight up what he says. So. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes very quickly, obviously Jesse now needs to go find the slide projector, which leads us right back into some of the best parts of this game. I'm very happy that Dylan does not become the driving force as much as the slide projector does, because I feel like Dylan is, is less interesting than the concept of the slide projector being the kind of the, the main problem. And really, like, the conflict between, like, Darling and Trench in their last days just as a result of using it, so. Yeah, they're so much more interesting, and they're, they're, the realizations of what the slide projector is doing is so much better than Dylan doing it. Right. That was my fear, that they're like, Dylan's the one who brought the hiss, and he just not, he's not as interesting as an object of power like the slide projector. Um, bunch of cool stuff. We basically now go down to what's the name of this location? I believe it's, research. Is it's this like the prime can't forget the name of it, but it's where the prime candidates uh, are, offices are. are. Yeah, yeah, uh, Vincent. And this is where we learn also that Jesse's been watched and kind of followed throughout her entire life. That was a great reveal. Yeah, just in there because you see one that's like P set the the P seven where it's like what there was someone after Dylan and you're like oh wait that's me yeah yeah the concept that like they never gave up on Jesse she never got away like they were always watching her they were always like they, all of her therapy tapes are in their possession which is very <laughs> it's very violating yeah. you know the concept that she's here she is talking about these 
horrible experiences in your life and no one believing her. And the whole time being like, yeah, downplayed. Like, no, this is just like you're having a psychotic break. And it's like, nope, this is all real. The, the therapist was like, <laughs> We well, know it's real and we're going to use this later on your, to indict you into this program. <laughs> did your parents show you a slide projector during a traumatic moment in your life? And Jesse's like, what? What? No. <laughs> And the concept that like people who have possession of the slide projector are sitting there listening to this as she's being told in her therapy sessions that it's not real. Like it's a really it really puts the bureau back in a sinister light. Especially when you walk into the room that's just got photos of her and all that stuff, where it's like you kind of start to like enjoy the bureau and find them to be a little bit charming. And this puts it back in the sinister light of like they also have been following you for decades and mapping your your interactions throughout life and letting you go around life thinking you're insane or you know having to prove you're not insane and like they're they're not there's not a this nice organization this, this whole section to like in uh dylan's room they mentioned there was something that says that we'll build him from the ground up like hey we're gonna take this broken person and the sense like He's young too. We can kind of shape him into who we need him to be to be the next director, and how that kind of blew up in their face. Um, I yes, because you get a lot of the conversations about like pre Dylan going off the rails, where like they were very like confident he's going to be like the the alpha director, right? We're building him up to be director. It's going to be great, and then Darling is like the last holdout for Dylan, right? Like after Dylan does whatever he does, kills some people, do all that. Darling, like, the, the videos of particularly of Darling just sitting in his office, like, it happens. Like, these things happen. He's he's confused. He's given, he's got way too much power. He didn't know what to do with it. Like, we can redeem this. We can fix this. He almost, he's so bought into his plan that he just cannot break the concept that this is a bad idea. Like, he's, he's going to try to ride this out to the end no matter what tells him it's not a good idea he's always an optimist about every single aspect it was like yeah we lost some people going to the astral plane but look what we've learned mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> well it fits his personality yeah. it also fits kind of what the bureau does where he's like people die in this line of business it's a shame people die trying to find the restroom if the building shifts on them <laughs> yeah. and they get locked into why is an this alternate a, dimension okay so this potential director <laughs> killed a few people why is that different you know he's but he's kind of in the world he inhabits, he kind of makes sense. Like, if he wasn't inhabiting such an insane ward as the Bureau, you would just be like, this is a psychopath. But because everyone here kind of deals with these kind of things, you can kind of make the jump in logic that he's like, no, this is it's, the learning curve we have to go through to make this happen. It's the fine line between genius and madman. He's on that line, and because of that, he's incredibly fat. He eats up every scene he's in. I also want to brag upon the memos that talk about the kids' experiences jumping around the realities as they play. Um, I don't know if you read these. They're out of order, but these are memos that they talk about that are mostly Jesse like transcripts from her therapy sessions, and they talk about like the kids use the slide projector, like not just Jesse and Dylan, like other kids yeah. in the town. Are all together playing with this thing like other kids from the school get brought in and like the slide projector is like left there and they go visit it after school and stuff to play in these realities 
and like the descent of things going bad. Yeah. Like kids getting stuck in realities. Or Dude, kids turns like, into a dog. Yeah, like one kid a turns into dog. a dog. <laughs> but like also like there's a gang of kids that form like their own little like society that is worshiping some like monster mother creature in one of them. But like the fact that it like descends into like this, you know, twisted child life. Like, you know, Lord of the Flies kind of stuff going yeah. on. And it's done really well in those. It's probably the best serious memos you get. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just a ton of great stuff here. Also, one of my favorite parts is um, when you do the realization that they are desperately trying to pinpoint where the slides are. Most of them were destroyed in the ordinary event. By Jesse. But they know of at least one that wasn't. And there's a great sequence, and when you you come out and you notice they have rebuilt the entire town to, in, in scale model form, mm-hmm. and the combat sequences that take place in there are freaking amazing because yeah. there's giants in a big town blowing <laughs> stuff at people. They're picking up like miniature buildings and just chucking it and yeah. then watching them turn to dust. Uh, my thing goes. My note here says rooms break apart so great in this game. <laughs> there's but, uh, a, there's uh, so. I love that this is a bit where you go throughout the entire section that is for ordinary. Like, it seems like the big uh, AWEs are given their own section of the place, mm-hmm. of the entire building. And uh, you go there, and there's, like, a recording of a radio show of the guy calling in to uh, talk to, like, this... It seems like they collected every single mention. They probably have a data server somewhere on, like... All the conspiracy theory subreddits that are like, let's talk about ordinary. They're probably saving all of those just to be like, what if someone here is not crazy or theorizing? Maybe there's some new information here. Yeah, I think that gathered. was like the the point of like the whole dead letters section in the first part of the game. It's just yeah. like every weird thing that's been sent in the mail or like called in on a radio show, put it here. It's probably not real. And then there's like battling people who are like we're wasting too much time on the on the dead letter stuff <laughs> <laughs> then the one that's confirmed like the ordinary one is put in the ordinary like oh this we confirmed this was legit okay just put uh put it in a cart we'll have somebody take it to ordinary yeah but yeah. yeah he's talking about how the townspeople have all vanished but the town is still there and like the ma- the radio guy is just more concerned about the fact that he's swearing on air. <laughs> he's like, you can't use it. All right, guy, cut you off. <laughs> there is just so much amazing stuff here. A um, couple of also things I like to talk about is Jesse references multiple times in the uh, conversations with the therapist a poem by Thomas Zane. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yes. the therapist states that he's not. Yeah, that person he doesn't, he doesn't exist. exist. And Jesse talks about, like, she's like, I remember that poem. I know I didn't write it. So he, you know, but but I looked him up. She says at one point I looked him up, and he doesn't he doesn't exist. Yeah. He's not real. Or no, no, no. There was a different guy named Thomas Zane, but it was, was could have been the same person. Yeah, he was like a filmmaker or something. That was the film director. Yeah. That's the film director. Yeah. That's yeah, the film. Yeah. Tom, Thomas Zane was a film director, not from a, like Europe or something yeah. like that. Um, they also there's a great sequence when she realizes that in the process of trying to find the slide, they literally brought the entire dump. <laughs> On the subway. <laughs> yes, on the subway. Crazy, man. <laughs> and they brought the entire dump, the shift through the entire... You realize the scope and the resources of the Bureau. The only, like, it's one thing to build a, like, a scale model. It's another thing to bring the entire freaking ordinary dump. <laughs> Sift through all the trash there to make sure there's not one like slide picture there. And there was some really great um, 
darling videos here where he's like, no one freaking touches it. If you see it, <laughs> you report it immediately. <laughs> you know, like, there's a serious level of commitment to this. But then recently, this discovered that darling moved the projector to a place called Dimensional Research, something we haven't seen before. Yes, that's like, when you actually get there, you realize that Darling... Darling is discovering the, the extent of this and becoming increasingly paranoid and scared. Mm. And that's when he makes the decision to move the slide projector to Dimensional Research instead of leaving it here. The chain events start clicking in your mind, like, okay, is this the beginning of him going paranoid and building HRAs on things, or did that happen... After he moved it to dimensional, like you're starting to get a grasp of the org, the chain of events yep. that led to you being led to Polaris here. Um, also, in the dump, there is an old gods album. Sitting <laughs> them, just fun little fact. But yeah, that's the big kind of reveal of this chapter that Darling kind of becomes aware of the how dangerous the slide projector is, and he decides that we need to move this dimensional research. We're going to lock this thing down. And also, this is a lot of conversation about him and the director becoming more and more hostile towards each other. And there's a... Um, those sides being chosen here yeah. between Darling and... Um, Trench. 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 Well, obviously, they're not seeing eye to eye on this. And this kickstarts our next chapter. One thing I would like to bring up here is this uh, This chapter is where it triggers the ability to play the Alan Wake DLC. <laughs> so every time I finished a chapter and I was done for the night, I would go back to uh, the executive offices. That's like my base point that I would always stop at. So it gave me like a, a good clean entry into the next chapter. Yeah. Um, and it triggered that as an optional mission the right dark there. Place. Which led me to go do it because I was like, ah, let's you know see what this side mission is. And in hindsight, a man probably should have been like, hey, this seems like the Alan Wake DLC. <laughs> but I might have got excited and played a little bit of it. I did not finish it. But uh, just in hindsight, <laughs> they should have put a disclaimer, man. The foundation has a disclaimer. It doesn't pop up till the end. Yeah, it doesn't pop up till after the main story is done. I feel like the Alan Wake one should have been that way too. But I imagine people. I wonder if there's people who's only playing Control just to see the Alan Wake stuff. But true. At that point, though, like just play Control because Control. Yeah, right. I mean, and also you got to play all of this stuff to get there, so you might as well finish the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the. A uh, side mission that I did do in here is when you are dealing with the mold um, mm -hmm. down there. You meet the doctor who's been brought in to do, like, the investigation of the mold. And this leads up to you find, finding, like, the main like the main mold spar. And uh, talking about tough optional boss fight, that boss fight's freaking tough. Yeah, that one, I said this in the Discord, but that one's the only one that I felt like was just straight up unfair. It gets unfair very quickly, and it's also the only one. Like I kind of, I felt like I was a little bit cheating with the weapons I was using, the rocket launchers and the uh, the charge gun. That upgraded charge gun is very very powerful. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I felt like this was the only boss that even my upgraded charge gun didn't really help me on. Um, and the biggest problem is it just destroys the ability to land. And while the uh, hovel and you know levitate stuff is very very good, 
it's always temporary. And so my problem was always feeling like I was landing just long enough to get myself back up, but it would take too much damage. And it, it's a tough bar. So I beat it after, I think, three or four tries. But it was uh, it definitely not my favorite of the optional bosses. Yeah. You know, I feel like the, the mirror boss is difficult. The boss at the fridge is difficult. But they didn't feel, like, frustrating. This one felt frustrating. The clock one almost got there at some points for me. Yeah. The clock one, for me, it was just, like, once you figure out that you just have to throw the four in into the center. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I didn't know that I needed to do that. So I might have missed one the first time. So it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, now I have to sink this one in just because and have to go back in. But... I feel like that those are like a different level of frustration when you just don't know how to beat it compared to like not no like you know how to beat the mold boss, but it's just like the amount of time it takes compared to the amount of damage it does is not equal. Yeah. It's kind of that's fair. Yeah, I think that's the frustration. It is you know it's satisfying once you beat them. Yeah, you know it's it's fun once you beat them, but and that does trigger like a shit ton of little side missions where you just clean mold out of places. Um, Big thing is that as we're kind of we're going in here, we have to gain access to dimensional research through the uh, infinite maze, the ashtray maze. Yeah, which I have scum- I stumbled upon earlier on in the yeah. game, and it just lets you run around it. Yeah, you know. At first, you're like, maybe I can figure out a pattern through this. Yeah, but I then try you realize, to. And, but yeah. it's a fun wall to put up there. Because instead of it just making it like a hard, you can't go here yet, they let you run around it and end up where you came. So it's a fun little way of doing it that doesn't make you feel like this is clearly just a locked door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's a locked door. But it's also, you know, a locked door that we're uh, going to have to, uh, you know, let you guide you through. Um, and so we get a uh, message from my little buddy. <laughs> Our little janitor buddy. Absent for a while during this second, Yeah, too. he's been gone for a long time. But man, does he make a reappearance. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's on vacation. He's been, he's been on vacation. Turns, turns out we were wrong about his uh, the cabin being like, oh, it's uh, the cabin from Alan Wake. Turns out it's just his B&B. <laughs> um, but you go back to the janitor's office, and then it triggers pretty cool sequence in which we are... What's the best way to describe this, Michael? Um, you go deep into the bureau to ride a cable car. We've ride a cable car down to a uh, almost like the edge of the bureau, which it's in like turn becomes the, like the edge of reality. Yeah, like it's like there's... the edge of the old house. But as we exit the reality of the old house, we're entering. The reality of wherever the janitor went on vacation, wherever he's <laughs> residing it, because like there's this amazing visual sequence of like you're traveling through this massively <laughs> open room, and I'm having a hard time describing it, but it's because it's very vague on purpose. But as you are walking through these pillows of into the light, like you're starting to get effects and after effects of like woods and forests, and you can hear his singing in the background. <laughs> And it's like you're like traveling out of the reality of the old house to wherever he resides. The lower <laughs> third on the screen that pops up just says nowhere. Yeah, it just says nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it's it doesn't it never explains it, but it's just like this is where he resides. This is where he went on vacation. <laughs> so here he is. 
as as you're going down is also playing like uh scandinavian music or something mm-hmm. yeah it's well it's <laughs> opera it's, music like, it's not scandinavian it's almost like vaguely it's that it's much like him it's, it's vaguely like a like, uh, european but like a <laughs> mixture of so many eastern europeans you don't really know which one it is kind of thing i forget what the audio file for that's called because you get the audio file of it i forgot what it was called like, but it is like an opera yeah but um my favorite thing is when you get uh you get the Walkman. You get there. Yeah, he gives you the Walkman. And he's like, there you go. This will get you through. And he's like, okay, no <laughs> It's just like, no I've context. heard weirder in this game, but okay. But the concept of and then you can do, you know, just go back to the, astro- the, um, the infinite maze there. And the concept that wearing the headphones is what gets you through the maze. <laughs> and you think it's going to be that song again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but it's not. Gods of Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> it's so damn good. <laughs> and like... Now we can <coughs> now we can talk about the sections. <laughs> it's ah, so it's good. so perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. The feeling of when Jesse puts the headphones on and like even her like her like attitude. She's like, well, this guy rocks. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not what you thought he'd be giving you to get through this maze. You know, Dang. you thought it would be some like creepy. I don't know, like you know, freaking you know, self-help tape or some weird object of power like that. Not a freaking awesome metal song, you know? Um, uh, this, the Ashtray Maze is candidate for 2022's moment of the year already, and we just got started. Yeah, this is the coolest part of the game for me. Also, cool fact, uh, you have to take the hotel to get to the janitor, mm-hmm. and inside the hotel when you do that section, the mold is inside the hotel. Hmm. If you check the doors. Yeah. Which is just kind of a cool concept that the mold exists. No, the mold, the clock. I'm sorry, the clock. The oh, clock yeah, gets yeah. inside the hotel. Because you open up the first door and you can't get through. <laughs> it's the clock. And then you you try to go to the uh, inverted pyramid door and that doesn't work. And at first I was like, oh no, is the game glitch? What do I do? And then I was like, oh, the janitor's yeah. office. You have to go to the janitor's <laughs> office. It, that's a cool sequence and a really cool use of the motel. Which they... They do a great job in. But I thought it was funny. I was like, well, no wonder the clogs like his enemy. It freaking follows you into the damn motel <laughs> even. Um, just a ton of great stuff. They did a great – I don't know if, like, the song loops or if I just kept up with it enough. It, I think, But it, it ends perfectly. Yeah, it does some clever editing tricks because I noticed that, like, during, like – uh, musical bits where like or vocal bits whereas like the hard rock is what you're doing in combat and then when you get to sections that are mostly you going through platforming it mostly just transitions to the guitar a bit and it does it so seamlessly yeah like it makes it feel like it's a complete uh, unedited song yeah but there is some bits because I noticed like every time I was in combat the music ramped up and so there's some clever editing going on behind yeah, the scenes there. I was but really impressed by that. My wife was watching watching me play this section with no context of the game. She's like, this is weird, but this is kind of cool. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Never do you get lost in the environment. Like, they do such a great job of directing your eye to the next, like, opening in the maze. Um, it's probably, if not my favorite section in this game, one of my top three. It's, yeah, by, it's by far it's my, favorite. my favorite. It's so good. Yeah, it's 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 pretty damn good man because it's the it's the one time in combat where you feel like you have the upper hand of the advantage you the you like you're in control of the environment you're in control of the combat situations and 
I don't know. I didn't die here. I feel like if I died here, it would kill this section for me. Yeah, probably. Having to play it again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I did not I die. I fell here. down a pit, but it started me, like, at the beginning of the room. Hmm. But my health was still the same, so I don't know if, like, if I died, if it would do, like, the same fade to white and then back. Yeah. Because yeah. I was hoping, I would be hoping it'd do that because I feel like this section involves you, is the ultimate power fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's the one time you feel like incredibly powerful in this game yeah. the game does not need to be difficult for this section no. the game needs to just give you a badass moment and to kill you would kind of ruin the momentum of this moment so it's better that the game just kind of gives you the power fantasy lets you kick a bunch of ass and have the awesome moment of coming out of the maze even jesse's like that was that was awesome <laughs> like jesse's like that's pretty cool like i mean you can't argue with this. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and then you realize, wait a minute, they hid an entire department behind this insane maze? Mm-hmm. What is the commute like to the other side of this? My favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, memos you find in here is a complaint about the janitor being in here. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like, they're like how does he get in? <laughs> like, it was just like, I know someone has to empty the trash, but how is he getting in? <laughs> and, and like, the concept, the, the, you know, this is like, this is like, maximum security of maximum security and they're like this freaking janitor keeps showing up every day how is he getting in i know we all like the guy like he even says like i know we all like the guy but how is he getting in <laughs> like just this poor guy whose job is to do you know research here just being like this is maximum security how is this janitor walking around um there's a couple of things here that i think is a little weird um, you know, you come in off the awesome maze, and then we come in to the realization that they have kind of locked down, quote unquote, Polaris, which is now we're being told is Hedron. Hedron, yeah, Hedron. And uh, I'm a little confused. And I need y'all's help. Now, I was, uh, in all disclosure, I played this game last few parts of this game while under the weather on Nyquil. So maybe I missed some stuff due to drugs. But so the discovery that they have locked Hedron down basically is after you learn that they 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 pull her from the slide that they captured, or did she get brought in when they originally brought in the slide projector from ordinary? I'm gonna read my notes here because I have a feel I just scribbled a bunch of stuff down, so I wanna see maybe we can thump pieces together because I wrote down as I was learning. Yeah. I was like, inside the last remaining slide is a place filled with pillars and silence. Uh, Trish insisted the his ears started bleeding. And Expedition 3 that was sent in led to an entity of massive scale that they named Hedron. That's Polaris. She brought me here so she could be saved, question mark? So she knew that... So Polaris knew that it was captured. So that's why it didn't send Jesse to the bureau to save dylan polaris sent jesse there so that polaris could be saved from is what i got i could be completely off base my interpretation my head canon is that <clears throat> when you get to the end and stuff i feel like it kind of reinforces this but polaris in you is like your body perceiving the resonance and so, like, she is bringing you to there because you were the only one that can stop the hiss, is what I am to understand. Because I think Pol- I like like Polaris just dies anyways, even though you save her. 
My or this, the Hedron or whatever. This is my understanding. But then you still have the powers at right, the end of the game. So. Right. So I don't know, man. Well, how Again, many of the powers uh, are kind of confusing to the objects of power that you interacted with? But I thought that you could. Well, the well the Polaris is the reason the Hiss can't control you. Okay, so here's my my reading on this, and this might be wrong. I think it's left vague enough that you're not supposed to have a solid answer. My understand, my belief is you're right about the expeditions into the slide. Mm-hmm. So they eventually do find the slide, which is what triggers Darling's kind of panic and realizing it's a direct, it's an entry into a dimension, much like the hotel and things like that. And this, and then Trench, his ear, like I mentioned, his ear started bleeding, and he gets sick from this. And well, he, he goes home and transfers the disease on his to his daughter, who eventually dies. Yeah, which is kind of. He even yeah. says, like, I brought work home, was the yeah. way he used it to like, describe it. I really enjoy the concept also that there was other people who went into the, the slide, and they got nothing. Like, there was no um, sound, there was nothing, nothing, no radio contact. And so when they come back, they don't have any. It's almost like the hiss is an entity from that slide that hitched a ride back with Trench. Is how I kind of yeah think. yeah I think that's the like best. yeah like Polaris is an entity that exists in that place or Hedron whatever you want to call them, and the Hiss also exists there. What if they needed what if they needed a director initially to get through, and that's why Trench was exactly the Trench being a director gave them something to latch on to to bring back in because which he, is because also, he's a bridge between the director is a bridge between our world and the astral plane and the board and the board which might be why the hiss was able to come through via trench and no one else exa- and jesse being a potential candidate for a director was the reason why polaris was able to like hitch a ride back through jesse so i kind of like view them as almost like two separate entities and like the hiss and polaris I, I felt I felt like they were like opposing forces from exactly. the same from yeah. the same realm, like a battle between these two like opposing forces. Which goes back to like why Polaris refers to him early on in the game as her enemy or your enemy. Yeah, and that's the line where Jesse's like your enemy, then it's our enemy. Our enemy, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's almost like they were opposing forces, but the hiss was Polaris hopped the ride back with Jesse back in the initial incident in ordinary. But it felt like Darling was. Uh, put the HRA around the wrong entity because he puts the giant HRA uh, on Hedron, which cripples Polaris, but it doesn't stop the hiss because of a lack of understanding of what's That would make on. sense why Trench was so like blatantly opposed to Because he was like, no, you're stopping the wrong thing. Right. Exactly. So, And also, but then when does Trench start to be influenced by the hiss? My because, understanding like, is that like, the very first contact like they go in together trench is affected by the hiss and darling you know senses the presence of you know hedron or polaris or whatever and they both go back and like that's like the start like the first domino and like also there's a lot of darling recordings and stuff that talk about him not um like trench starts to act outside of character and he's starting to have concerns and doubts about Trench's state and leadership state. So, like, I guess, and like I said, some of this is left very vague. Um, and I wonder if in the DLC, the Foundation, if we'll get more information. I hope we do. But 
I kind of like I think it's left up to interpretation, but I like to think that maybe when Trench comes back, the issue is Trench is like not you know Trench is the fight with Trench and Darling is over whether they should put the HRAs on the you know the main Hedron or Polaris, and then eventually though Trench's influence with the Hiss slowly bleeds into the Bureau. Um, and I think that maybe that leads up to mm, yeah. kind of what the ending is. And my, my also my question is, was the plan from the Hiss to influence Allward, or was the plan from the Hiss to get to the board? Yeah, I think it explicitly mm. wants to go for the board. Yeah, it's almost like this is a dimensional fight between entities outside of ours, and it uses the director as like a bridge through through Allward, like we use the motel because the final to go through because the final fight's in the astral plane, For trying the, to stop the, trying to stop Dylan from being like completely lost to the hiss. Yeah, um, there's a hard cut here because you bring down the hedron the hedron um, HRA that's around hedron. Like the little um, pillows, almost. They're like uh, satellite, satellite dishes. dishes. Um, it's not a great combat sequence. It's not really. We pee. It's kind of a... There's also... Sorry to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. Darling's final message in here, too, about Hedron, where he's in his underwear and says, I expose <laughs> myself to Hedron. That's also where you realize Darling's jacked. Like, yeah, he's pretty ripped. <laughs> he's pretty ripped. He's a pretty buff dude. It's, uh, Trent, that's when you find out Trench was infected by it, and he says, I should have told Emily more, and that that's just where he says he built the massive HRA to stop. So all the stuff we talked about is here, but like, yeah. it's important to note that this was his, where we get that information is his final message. Yeah, that he's, well, and also the fact that he exposed himself to Hedron, is that when he kind of realized he fucked up? Like, did he realize... Or did he ever realize? Yeah. That? You know, I, I, honestly, I feel like both of them are so convicted. Like, there's always just like, for no reason, really, the Hiss infects all these people and turns them into monsters, except for like Dylan. And then Dylan is just like, I like the Hiss because it's not Polaris, because fuck Polaris. <laughs> <laughs> and then Casper's just like, yeah... Hedron is pretty awesome, and anybody that doesn't see that, you know, they're they're on the wrong team. And it's always like it's almost just like black or white teams. It's well, it's also almost like you know ants playing in a game of gods, right? Like Hedron and the Hiss and the board are playing on a scale so much bigger than all these people. No matter how powerful these people in the bureau are. At the end of the day, they don't stand much of a chance in these kind of fights. And even the director is just a pawn in this situation for the Hiss to get to the board. Even Jesse is yeah, even doing Jesse. what um, was only there because Polaris led oh, her there. Yeah, and Because she's like, hey, I need you to get me out of this bind. Yeah, so. and Jesse's a tool for Polaris. And it's, like, and it's nothing more than, hey, I'm in prison. Like, <laughs> sure, I'm going to... Sure, I'm leading you here, making you think it's because you're a bird, but no, really, it's because I've been you got a, gi- out. a giant guy put a radio belt buckle on me, and now I'm kind of in prison here. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you bring down the the HRA, the giant HRA, and it basically destroys Polaris. You know, it doesn't like rescue her; it po- destroys her. And this triggers a hard cut to credits. To credits, <laughs> and like I was like, okay, clearly this is not the end, but I like how they do it. They let it ride just long enough 
before the credits slowly start to descend into madness text <laughs> and then descends into like ink. Um, it's a cool effect. Yep, it's really cool. It's a really cool effect. Um, unfortunately, I had just played a section in Guardians of the Galaxy that does the same trick. So I was like, eh, two, t- two, two times it's done this to me in two days. <laughs> but um, the, um, the whole concept is then you basically come back to and Jesse is just a basically office grunt walking in the bureau in a black and white version of the ward. Mm-hmm. And this is when, obviously, we as the player know something's wrong, but we basically just go through interactions of an office grunt leading up to delivering the director's mail. And you can't... You can't st- uh, stop the tasks. They always keep piling on as soon yeah. as you finish one. There's some also some weird stuff in here too I wanted to talk about. I noticed Emily was talking on the phone while talking about like a boy she finds dreamy or something as like uh, surface level as that. But I noticed like her ha- hand is up but she's not holding a phone and like her mouth isn't moving. She's just frozen in that pose. But yeah. you still yeah. hear her. And you see that more because this is a rule of three much like multiple things throughout the bureau like the house and the uh, light cord and all that stuff. You deliver the mail three times. To you break deliver out. it three times, but then reality breaks down as you go through that. Like people at their desk change from themselves to his, you know, sitting there, and things are starting to get more corrupt. Um, it's the employees we, start having bags on their heads, and they start blinking in and out of existence. Yeah, so it's really cool. I love this bit. It, you might one could argue it goes on for a little long, but overall, I think it's. I think it's fine. It for takes what it, it long is. enough to sink in. Any yeah. longer, I would have been like, "All right, let's wrap this up." And I think it's important to do the rule of three with the fact like things always seem to operate in the house on a rule of three, like the light cord and the motel and stuff like that. It makes sense thematically to do that rule of three. A um, couple of things, you know, as you talk to Trench, is when you really get the concept that he brought the hiss in, and then we get the concept that him. To me, him killing himself is almost like a way of trying to break the hiss's control or like trying to like trigger the event to bring Jesse in almost. Or does he, because he's tied to the astral plane via the, the hiss and uh, the board, does he sense Jesse's presence there and be like, I need to pass on directorship to her so that she can fix this because I can't because I caused this mess. Yeah, it's almost like passing of the torch. Yes. Yeah. He does not kill himself until Jesse is inside the building. Exactly. And this stuff has been going on for a bit. Yeah, so, so it's not like Trench kills himself to draw Jesse there. He kills himself once Jesse is there. So it's almost like... When she's I outside no- the door, she hears the gunshot. Yeah. I can no longer fix this, so I have to, you know, in my connection, in my time as the director, to trigger the protocol to start back up a new director in Jesse to give her a chance to try to fix this. There is a lot of the flashes of like switching back and forth from Trench holding the gun to his head to Jesse holding the gun to his head to Dylan holding the gun to Jesse's head to Jesse holding the gun to Trench's head. And I can't tell how much of that is supposed to just be, you know, thematic or you know whatever and how much of that is supposed to be that jesse triggered the breaking of the cycle because the way you actually end up breaking the cycle is by shooting trench yeah so it's almost like you know chicken and egg situation 
you know, what came first, Trench <laughs> shooting himself or Jesse shooting Trench, you know? But it basically all leads up to you breaking the cycle long enough for you to be able to go to Darling's office. Um, this is when I had to text Michael and Nick to ask them if this was real because I did not know if it was a NyQuil feeble dream. <laughs> but there's a portion of which... Darling has an awesome music video. <laughs> the song slaps. It's, I think it's really good. <laughs> it's good. He's good. He's good music video. He's he's pretty good singer actually. I don't know if that's his voice if he's lip syncing, but damn, he's good. Um, the guy's ripped. He can sing and he's smart. <laughs> Darling might be the like the Superman. <laughs> um, and this is what gives into the uh, the evil version of the Astro Plane, and this is like our final. Not, not really a final boss. It's mostly just uh, you waves and waves of enemies at the end of this thing. Yeah, it's a cool environment to see the astro plane hissified, um, and you're basically like you said, you're just fighting and climbing your way up to Dylan to cleanse the astro plane and close the portal to the astro plane. Good checkpoints here. When you die, you don't have to do yeah. those fights again. Yeah. You just have to get <laughs> to where you were because that last. One goes on forever, it feels mm-hmm. like. It's like a 15-minute horde or something like that, it feels yeah. like. Just because every time I get low on health, I was like, all right, this is it. Then more enemies show up. Yeah. And there's the ones that'll fly to you and explode. So you got to keep your distance. And this is one of those things where I got back. through like most of the waves and then died. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pick this up tomorrow. <laughs> rocket launchers, boys. Yeah. That rocket launcher means everything. I need to upgrade Overpowered that before I go into the hell. DLC. um just a lot it's maybe i'm being a little bit kind of overly cynical the cleansing of the portal and cleansing of dylan's like location there and it just kind of ends it's not a good ending yeah it just kind of ends and then the game basically states that uh jesse is uh Obviously, that while she's closed off access to the astral plane and the hiss from coming in, the hiss that are already inside the bureau still need to be cleansed out. Jesse is now full on director mode. You get a nice director skin with a fancy hair clip. That's one um, bit before you do this final section. Jesse like fully accepts her role. She's like, "I'm the director. This is my mess to clean up." After she escapes, so she's like, she's been leaning that way, but she's like fully, "I'm the director now." Yeah. I'm the captain now. Moment. Well, like I said, she had a new fancy suit and everything. <laughs> uh, but it, it just kind of ends. And I was like... I played this before the DLC, and I'm like, that's it. And because of that, I feel like that's why I wasn't as strong on this game as this time through. Because also, I'm like, okay, there's more. There's more yeah. story here. There's going to be more. Of it directly triggers just- the foundation. Yeah. Which is the first of the DLCs that we will be playing for part three. After playing this ending, I'm glad that we're doing a part three because I feel like the foundation is um, maybe a, a good cleanup. I'm hoping it's a good cleanup for the game. I it's hope not, so too. The game is not bad by any means in the imagination, but the ending, and some of this just goes back to I don't care about Dylan. And, like, I'm not entirely clear on Dylan's role in and this. And the enti- there's so much happening that the fact that it... About Hedron and the Hiss and, like, this eternal conflict and it all centers back on Dylan. is just, like, why? D- 
Dylan it, is the biggest reason why I don't care about it. Like everybody else in this game, I care about, and Dylan is just wet, like wet paper towel. And since the Dylan stuff is wrapped, I'm hoping that the DLC covers that. Because one reason I didn't necessarily play the DLC when it came out was, I think the play, PlayStation got it first. I think I want to say there was like three to six months before Xbox got the DLC for yeah. where I initially played it. I'm hoping. So, I'm hoping that it it's a cleanup. The DLC. fact that you can get this game with uh, on the cheap, pretty much with all the DLC included, I think makes will make this a better game. And if the DLC can continue to ride this high, I can see this game being like, oh yeah, this is an essential. Everyone needs to play this thing. This I'm gonna be like, I know I shouldn't have played it, but I did play a pretty good amount of the Alan Wake stuff just by. It generally was an accident. <laughs> right, like looking out back at it, I should have figured it out. But I, at the way it opened up, I was looking for the DLC to all open up after I beat the game. That's what I was so expecting. So I did it not do. expect it to show up where it is. And then after we had talked about it in the Discord, we uh, Michael sent a list of the DLC missions. I played about three of them. I didn't think we needed it until you real until you said <laughs> that you played something, <laughs> and that was like, oh, I thought this opened up after, so I need to send this to us for yeah, I, I, an avoidance I, guide, pretty much. And also coming off of the fact that there have been several altered items and memos that talk about Bright Falls. I thought that maybe Alan does make an appearance in the baseline game. Mm. And I was like, maybe this is the baseline game appearance of Alan, and then I will get the Alan Wake DLC stuff at the end of the game. I did not know that the Alan Wake stuff opened up where it does. I will say that it strikes me as the Alan Wake stuff is a very separate story. Yeah. And the foundation, I hope, is a continuation of the control story. Like, sw- like tie up the loose ends type thing yeah i want foundation to tie up the loose ends alan wake seems to be an alan wake story with jesse being a and i hope it leads us into where we think alan wake 2 is going to oh you want to talk about that we talk about that we'll we'll talk about that next time time. but do you want to talk about since there is like i i scanned the whole document on my phone of what of the bright frawls awe do you want to talk about that whole thing before we go in, or should we? No, we can talk about say that. that. So Wait. that it's what's interesting is that I believe it's in the same room where uh, Jesse's uh, uh, prime candidate stuff is, and yeah. that uh, just it just goes over everything that happened in uh, the events at Allen Lake and what happened with Cauldron Lake. It even sets it in on in September of 2010, and all the notes that you get. Are, placed this game at 2019 when it came out so it's very much like a if you ever watch like crime shows or something on like cable or uh, network tv it'll, it'll they always place it in like the current day so it's like the remedy verse is happening right now like, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming alan when alan wait 2 comes out assu- assuming it, i'm assuming it'll take place in 2023 but uh it mentions there's some cool stuff here like uh uh, Breaker, who was the ex bureau, there was an ex bureau agent in Alan Wake, and he received a call from Barry on behalf of Breaker's daughter Sarah, who was the current sheriff of Bright Falls. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I don't want to get super into this because I accidentally played some stuff. I don't want to like get them confused, gotcha. but there is a lot of talk also about the fact that the bureau have set up a um 
kind of observation point around Bright Falls. I believe it, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I don't believe is in the DLC. I believe that's in memos. Yeah, I think they mentioned it in the memos, yeah. Yeah, Mm. in the baseline game, there was memos mentioning the observation points being set up inside Bright Falls as a potential Alter Water bit location. And they say they interview Thomas Zane here, despite the fact that apparently doesn't exist. Uh, They also interview Odin and Tor. (laughs) Glad to see their names appear again. It's in, I love it. Alan Wake was believed to, uh, yeah, big old bar. black bar. <laughs> like, oh, Mar- Instead of me, you're like, we're going to get some info. Nope. <laughs> black bar. I'm like, those bastards. <laughs> um, I like the fact that there seems to be a post out, a post alter ward event seems to like put things back together, but just not in the right way. Mm-hmm. So like the ward gets changed in the event but then it comes back together afterwards, but it just things fall through the cracks of the 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 repair. It's They're, like a bad stitch job. Yeah, mostly temporary. Yeah. Effects. And but then there's always like things that fall through the cracks. Like where's Alan? This is what, what happened, happened to the waitress. Is she okay in the world? And what we see of her at the end is actually just a dark mirror version of her. Well, it makes sense or, in the end of the Alan Wake DLC that like things are kind of put back together. Yep. But like said, things fall through the cracks. And notably, like, uh, the sheriff as well, the uh, FBI dude, yeah, Nightingale. The, yeah, the, Nightingale. Yeah, it's, it's in the one of the memos that like we know this dude's gone. Well, and also there's in some of the memos. I believe this is in the base name. Uh, forgive me if it's not. That he at one point was trying to. They have records of him contacting the bureau, demanding information about Alan Wake, and like those conversations about. All right, that's not in the base game. Is that not in the yeah, base I game? Yeah, I want to interrupt okay. you. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying not to. All right, well, good. I think we're, we're, we'll, let's put a pin in this okay, for next yeah. time. Cause oh, yeah. We're going to dive deep into Alan Wake next yes. time. So next section, we will be playing AWA and the Foundation. You should play the Foundation first, and you can play AWA second. I will say it seems like AWA is very much a standalone story. I'm very excited. Yeah. I might finish AWA first because I've already, already halfway into it. it and then do the foundation. It seems like that either order is is fine. <laughs> Anything else y'all want to talk about before we head right on home? No. Okay. State of the save at gmail.com is the email you send emails to so we can talk about them. If we got our explanation of the ending completely wrong and you are the head of the like control subreddit and go, these guys don't know what they're talking about. That's where you send the email to. Yeah, exactly. Send all complaints and praises to... At Stay the Save at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which is our social medias, where you can tell us we're great, or you can tell us that we don't understand control. Either one, valid messages. Or both. You can say both. You guys are great, but you don't understand control. Yes, that'd be perfectly fine. <laughs> and we'll probably be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're probably. Um... But that's why we're playing the DLC, to better understand Control. Um, next time, we will be uh, obviously finishing the two DLCs for Control and therefore finishing our conversation or our deep dive into Control. And then we will be announcing our next game, which is very exciting. Um, as always, stay safe out there. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Oh.